Welcome into this weekend's edition of the European Soccer Betting Podcast. I am your affable host, despite losing over the weekend on my best bet. I am joined by my man here, Griffin Warner. Good job on Rael Vallecayon. You called Sevilla not being so great early. That has come to fruition. You obviously cast your best bet over the weekend, but Sevilla in general, uh, tough times after a standout year last year. What would you make of the game and the weekend's games? Uh, weekend was, I mean, they're nuts, I, I swear. Um, I'm glad that I picked up this uh, really sleep-defying habit um, during the pandemic because uh, I'm not sure when I sleep at this point. Um, but the matches are all great. They all have crazy storylines. Someone does something ridiculous in every 90 minutes, it seems, whether it's a manager, a fan. Um, people die in the crowds, like have heart attacks. It's like really bizarre to me. You don't see that in American sport. Um, people just love to live by this stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm into it. I went to the Dortmund Schalke match a few weeks ago or a month ago now, month, two months ago. I don't know. Times all run together. Um, and it's it's an amazing thing in Europe. And I'm glad that uh, we got this podcast going. I'm glad everyone's uh, tuning in. We appreciate all your listeners for sure. Uh, got some good numbers coming out. And, and that's awesome for me to hear. I'm sure for you to see as well, Mackenzie. But uh, to Sevilla's point, um, it's one of those things where you can kind of see the rot starting in a club. Um, financially, there's a lot of, so Sevilla, I mean, I backed them to finish in a champions league position last season as a future, um, plus odds, like getting, getting odds. And they were second place in La Liga for most of the season. And then took a complete nosedive towards the end of the year. There are a lot of rumors that their manager, Julian, Julian Lepetegui was going to be sacked as they say, or fired in American lingo. Um, and it didn't happen, and it was almost like, okay, well, the lame duck is still coaching. But then they sold like their entire defensive backfield. Jules Kunde went to Barcelona. Diego Carlos went to Aston Villa, and then they lost a bunch of others. So like there was already a rot started. They uh, unfortunately got rid of a lot of important players. Their manager was like, what the heck am I doing here? Are you going to fire me? Or are you not going to fire me? Uh, and that was really nice because they were priced like the Champions League team qualifier that they were last season. Um, and honestly, it still hasn't really even caught up until maybe this weekend's match, which we might get a little bit later. It's funny because I was just going to ask you, when you cash for the like 10th time out of 15 or 10th time out of 12, whatever it was, fading Sevilla, at what point, and I've myself called this too early. I remember uh, fading a certain NBA team and then being like, yep, that's it. That's it. They lost five in a row. That's it. And they ended up losing 15 out of 16 against the spread. Do you think Sevilla has farther to go? I mean, they're currently 18th in the La Liga table, the Spanish table. Expected goals says they should be even worse than that. They should be 19th. Do you think Sevilla, the market, is finally going to say, okay, this team's not a Champions League contender that they were last year. This team's one of the worst teams in the league. Or do you think they have farther to drop? Huh. Um, I mean, I think that's just gambling theory in general. Um, I have noticed that it's like a psychological thing where I bet against one team. I really want to bet on them the next week because I feel like the zigzag theory, which right. I mean, you already. I'm the same way. Sometimes like, I feel like I, I got I got over on them, but oh, they're going to get them next time. And sometimes that works. Sometimes I mean, you already brought up the NBA, so cash that ticket. Um, <laughs> probably a, a, a podcast record for how quickly the NBA got brought up here. But um Right, minus three thirty at any point in the podcast, but it was even money in the first five minutes. So you know, a lot of excited people out there. Cash that. Um, <laughs> I think with the zigzag, but but what I've kind of learned is I need to get away from that because so there's a lot of psychology in, in, in betting, of course, uh, gambling in general and in life. Sure, 
But when you bet one team or against, excuse me, when you bet against one team one week, I feel like I, I get a little bit of like Stockholm syndrome where I kind of like them a little bit more the next week, especially if I cashed. Um, fortunately, I have not backed Sevilla yet this year. I've won four in, four in a row um, to start the season. Uh, and then going back in the year before that, um, I was backing Sevilla uh, and I had won two straight. I mean, I mean, I've won, wow, eight straight bets on Sevilla, either against or on, which is really nice. And I, I think that's part of why I try to do futures in as many sports as possible, because it makes you pay attention a lot more. Uh, and you get that feeling, like, especially if you're betting on the long side, like you want them to do well, you kind of know, okay, this is a tough one. I don't really like this matchup. And that makes you want to bet because um, usually you're betting a good team, I think, in that type of situation. So that helps. But um, I haven't really felt the, the need to go on the other side of Sevilla and start backing them yet. Um, they've played a little bit better lately, brought in a new manager who's like all confidence and had been there before in Jorge Sampaoli, who came in from Olympique Marseille. Um, but it's it's a long, like there's a long haul uh, and, and I don't see anything changing too soon. It's funny you mentioned futures. That reminds me of the great Steve Fezzik pregame zone. Steve Fezzik, uh, check him out on pregame.com. He won, I think, like 10 baseball bets in a row. And he was like, well, I've been monitoring these future tickets that I've had in my pocket since May. So I knew that the Cubs were trying, even though it's the end of the year and they had nothing to play for. I knew that the Reds were selling. And he ended up cashing a bunch of tickets towards the end of the season just from his uh, futures acumen. So it's good to have a bead on a team. And you've obviously had that on Sevilla, eight straight caches. We've got best bets coming on later in the show. Let's get into some of the games this weekend. World Cup is around the corner. There is one more week after this one of Premier League action, and then they had eight days into the World Cup. But before that, we got some big games this week, and let's start in Italy. Lazio's been a surprise of the season. Roma, we've talked about a lot. Jose, Jose Mourinho's kept them afloat. Looks like Roma's a little bit less than a half goal favorite at home. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, do you see value on either side? So these are two teams from Rome. So it is a huge Derby de la Capitale, I believe. Uh, I don't speak Italian, so um, I shop so much. <laughs> like I do. shop so much, I should speak Italian. It's a Kanye line, but probably, <laughs> nice. probably with recent events, we probably shouldn't bring up Kanye or Kyrie Irving at this sure. point, I guess, either. Sure. Um, regardless, <laughs> so I do like Lazio quite a bit. They, to me, are kind of... I mean, if there's if we got some Lazio fans, they're probably gonna hate me for saying this. They're probably the lesser of the two teams in Rome, just in terms of stature, status, all, the, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I kind of like them better this year. Um, Roma, I feel like I started the year off thinking that they were gonna potentially be in the running for to win Serie A. It's certainly a long season; it's not over yet. Um, but I haven't really liked what I've seen from them. Jose Mourinho just doesn't seem to be the defensive manager that he was in the past, at least not with this team. And I think you kind of need that. Um, you need a good offense, of course. You have to beat the lower teams. But um, most of the the good teams in, in Italy seem to like be able to score. And I don't think Roma's defense is really good enough to um, shut that down. Now, they share a stadium uh, similar to what the two teams in Milan do, Inter and AC Milan. And so I think the tickets are like this is a home game for Roma technically, but it's in the stadium that they share. So it's probably a little awkward, all that sort of stuff. I would almost probably downgrade home field advantage a little bit here. What's a little bit different is Lazio got just crashed out of the Europa League with a really bad performance on Thursday. And they also have Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, one of their best players, suspended. 
they tried their best to like keep him. He was one yellow card away from getting suspended. They didn't start him in the last match against Lernatana, and he came on in like the 70th minute. And of course, like before he did anything, he picked up a yellow card, got suspended for Roma. And then they ended up like giving up uh, what I think they had a one nil lead and lost three one. So everything that could have gone wrong did in that one. Um, and then the tough one midweek, I mean, Lazio is probably pretty pissed. This should be a pretty emotional event. I mean, I think red cards are potential. I mean, Jose Mourinho, anytime he's on the touchline, it's a good possibility. But um, I like Lazio getting what I was hoping would be a half of a goal. It was like pretty expensive when I was looking this morning. Um, but it might come back, especially seeing that that Malikovic Savage is, is out and he's a pretty important uh, attacker. Plus Chiro Mobile, they're all do it all goal scorer. Um, he's been out for a while and I think he's missing until after the World Cup. So a little bit of an injured Lazio side going into uh, a big, big derby match. But um, I just haven't seen enough from Roma for for me to really trust them if that number is above a quarter. So it's a little bit of a Lakers-Clippers situation, although unlike that situation where the Clippers keep winning uh, pretty even recently, you got two wins, two losses, and two draws for each side in the last six. Should be a good one. We'll go a long way to figuring out if either of these teams can make the final four in Italy. Staying in Italy, we got two of the three marquee teams, but not marquee seasons for one of them. Juventus is a home underdog, a slight home underdog, hosting Inter Milan. Obviously, Juventus bowed out of the Champions League unceremoniously. Inter surprised some people, including myself, topping Barcelona to make the Champions League. So they have been a little bit better this season, but... This line surprises me. I'm surprised to see Juventus a home dog uh, in this rivalry. What do you make of the matchup? Yeah, arguably the biggest rivalry in all of Italy. Um, I think Inter and AC Milan, uh, the two Milan clubs, will probably uh, argue that one. But uh, certainly Roma and Lazio as well, as we just mentioned. But Juve, um, they actually were a quarter goal underdog last year against Inter as well at home. Uh, I know because I bet Juve in that one and watched... Alvaro Morata, who's now at, at uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, stepped against some guy's ankle at the corner of a box when there was absolutely no threat. That was the penalty. It went in, and that was the game, and that was the only goal scored. Um, still don't really like that one, got to say, if you couldn't tell by me recapping it. But um, it's a little bit different of a situation here where Inter last year were, to me, looking like the team that should win Serie A. Uh, it's kind of incredible that they didn't. Um, there's some circumstances to that, a backup goalkeeper coming in and just being an absolute joke uh, and really costing them the game late. Um, but in this matchup, Inter haven't really been as good. Certainly the Champions League success is kind of new to them. They've been struggling in that competition for a while. Um, but they've been playing so-so football, I think, based on their expectations, whereas Juve have been just so bad this whole year. Um, it hasn't really been a good run for Juventus for a couple years now, but this year... It's been a lot because of injuries. There's like all these theories that their uh, training staff is sabotaging the team or like that they should just get a new doctor instead of a new manager because they can't keep anybody healthy. I think that's something that sort of happens when you're playing twice a week and and one injury leads to another and then you end up getting more stretched and you got to play guys for more minutes than you were probably expected to. And ultimately, I think they just didn't have a strong enough squad and then you have to play the same regulars as often as you can and then they get hurt. So what Juve are now are a team that is kind of stuck. 
they can't really miss Champions League or else they are in big financial issues. Um, but they are in a position, I think, in Syria uh, to kind of keep that going. They're playing a lot of their youth team, a lot of young players that have honestly looked better than the like veterans that they've been playing all season. I don't know if that's a, an actual shift or if that's something because they were playing in Champions League and were already eliminated and really just needed any sort of like bettering of result from a an Israeli side that was lucky to get their doors blown off by Benfica. So um, this in this situation, I'm very curious to see what Juventus puts out there as a starting lineup and who's available because they are pretty banged up. And Inter, on the other hand, are one of the deeper sides in all of maybe the top five European soccer leagues. Certainly in Italy, they've got a lot of options. And I think that speaks to why they're a favorite on the road. The Juve crowd should be pretty huge. This is still a big, big matchup. I haven't really seen the fans turn on the team just yet. Uh, despite what you might read on the message boards. It seems like in-house, they're all still pretty into it. Inter sixth in the table, Juventus seventh, although it's not really been that close. You look at expected goals, Inter should be second in the table. Juventus should be even worse than they are, eighth. So it's funny, in the NFL, I talked about the NBA, I talked about the MLB, I'll bring up an NFL reference. We've been talking all year about markets no longer care about the standings. They have sharpened up where the underlying metrics, how good you actually are, is what determines the spread. So the two and four Raiders can be road favorites, for example, because the metrics said they were good, but they ended up not being good because they lost and got blown out. So interesting situation here. Inter do, do seem a lot better than Juventus, but like you said, one of the deepest running rivalries in Italy at home, Inter in. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Juventus cover. I kind of lean towards a draw or towards Juventus just because of the desperation mode I expect them to be in but uh let's go over to Spain we'll get into Italy and I have a best bet I'm sorry three two one we'll get into England and the Premier League we spent a lot of time on that and I do have a best bet coming up on that but real quick let's go to Spain uh where there's a matchup you wanted to talk about we talked about Sevilla coming in you've made some money with us on Real Betis and they are hosting Sevilla and they're at about 0.4 goal favorite a little bit less than a half goal favorite hosting Sevilla is this another spot where Sevilla is a fade material or has the market caught up to how much they suck? <laughs> I wasn't expecting how much they suck. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's hard to say because Sevilla have really not been good. I think this match, usually Sevilla had been the better side for probably a while now, at least since I've been following these leagues as closely as I have been. Um, it's usually quarter goal either way, um, or a little bit smaller if, if Sevilla is on the road or a little bit bigger if they're at home. So this is kind of a complete switch. Um, Sevilla got a little bit extra rest from Champions League midweek, though that didn't go great. Uh, I thought they were competitive, but ultimately um, that's about that. Whereas Betis had the ability to kind of rest for this derby. And they, I kind of noticed in, in soccer that people will... The, the derbies mean a lot to these teams and these clubs, not just to the citizens and the fans, but like a lot of times these teams will kind of overlook their midweek or even previous match engagement um, for the, the one coming up. And Betis were in a great position where they could play a lot of their reserves as they're already through in Europa League. So that matters. And I, I mean, at a, a 0.5 is what I was seeing very expensive on, on Sevilla. I mean, it, if, if you're betting like history, you're probably taking that number and backing Sevilla there. I just still think that there's so many problems in that team. Real Betis are not perfect. I'll put it that way, but they do have enough scoring and enough talent in that side that 
uh, at home in, in the Benito Villa Marine. I, I wouldn't want to uh, be going against that team. And a couple of seasons ago or a couple of matches ago, the Real Betis crowd like threw a pole and sent one of the Sevilla players to the hospital. Um, mm. So like you never know what's going to happen in that one. Yeah, I wouldn't want to catch a falling knife uh, in Sevilla here, especially, I mean, maybe if it was Barcelona or if it was Real Madrid and they were, you know, huge underdogs, you expect them to show some life, show some pride and be better than the third worst team in Spain. But first Real Betis, um, I kind of lean towards the favorite here and continue to think that Sevilla continue to slide. Uh, it's my instinct about the situation. Let's move over to England. Huge matchups this weekend. The red-hot Arsenal, despite being top of the table, are distant underdogs to City to win the Premier League, but they could go a long way towards that campaign at the north part of London, where they are facing Chelsea. And despite Chelsea and their huge home uh, home court, as we've talked about at Stamford Bridge, I shouldn't say home court, home crowd advantage, as I've been reminded, is the proper way to say it, the proper way to say it, talking about the North London Derby. So what do you make of the matchup here? Chelsea, worse than Arsenal, is not that common uh, the last 20 years, but to be a significantly worse team where Arsenal is pick'em at Stamford Bridge, what do you make of the matchup? I'm surprised by the number, I got to say. Um, Chelsea, I mean, they haven't looked perfect, certainly, um, but they ultimately, I think, are a better team than Arsenal despite uh, the standings. I feel like, as you just said, um, the marketplace seems to ignore standings now in all sports. It feels like it's a little bit uh, in love with it here. And kind of my theory on the, just the UK betting markets in general, which dominate the, the soccer sphere, it seems, I just don't think they're that intelligent. And I think they do fall in love with those things. They, I mean, the amount of money that was bet on Celtic FC in the Champions League, and I think they earned one point and got smashed so many times throughout the entire competition. Like, I was like, I, I don't really know if you're just stubborn or if they just have so much money coming in from the UK that they don't do anything with it. Here, I feel like they're in love with Arsenal. I made them a quarter goal underdog. Um, wasn't expecting a pick em. Uh Chelsea, when I started, when I first saw this line, was like heavily juiced. Now it's about split either way from what I'm seeing. So Arsenal are getting some love too. I don't know if there's some injury news or something like that coming out of Chelsea's camp that I haven't seen yet. Uh, but this is basically calling Chelsea and Arsenal um, exactly even in Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea are a team that routinely just plays out of their minds there. Um, again, I don't think Chelsea are perfect, but I think at home they have a huge advantage and I'm hoping that this continues at the Arsenal money, the truck backs up right to the, uh, right to the gates. Cause I I'm looking to back Chelsea in any form or fashion. If this gets a little bit better, uh, I don't think we'll see a quarter of a goal underdog, but if I see that I'm back at Chelsea. What do you think of the Reese James injury right back for Chelsea? looks like he's not only going to miss this game, but miss the world cup. Chelsea in general have a lot of guys going to the World Cup, the most in the Premier League before the season is estimated 20 players would make it. Uh, so do you think um, they might be a little bit undermanned, not only with this injury, but potentially trying to protect people uh, heading into the World Cup in a couple of weeks? I mean, that's a good question. We're seeing people dropping like flies, unfortunately, all over uh, the, all over Europe right now. And and people that would play big parts, I think nothing bigger than the Hyungman Sun injury, which I, I know we'll get to a little bit. Um but, I mean, Reese James is a problem because he is a, a pretty um, versatile player for Chelsea. He can kind of be a center back or a right back. And a lot of times you'll see him scoring goals in the opposing box, which seems very awkward for a center back to be there. But it happens. Um, I mean, his his loss is big. Chilwell got hurt this week, I think, also. So there's, there's a lot that's happening. And maybe that's speaking a little bit to this number. 
Um, but I do think the home pitch advantage, home crowd advantage, whatever we're calling it matters. I think that Arsenal still are just a team that have really, I mean, they've, Credit them for what they've done. You can only play the schedule you've had in front of you, but they've had a very fortunate set of fixtures so far. Um, their their Man City match got canceled because they had to make up a game in Europa League. So, like, they've been really fortunate, and I think that fortune is going to come to an end. Maybe not this weekend on Sunday, but uh, as I said, I'm looking back Chelsea if I can if I can get a better price. Staying in the Premier League, you mentioned it. Hong Ming Son will undergo a surgery to stabilize a fracture around his left eye. The South Korean unlikely to make it back for the World Cup, reports Sky Sports. A huge loss for Tottenham. Obviously, probably a bigger loss for South Korea. Of course, there is the chance that he does fight his way in. I mean, it's probably the biggest moment of his life at 30 years old. Arguably the best player in your... I mean, not arguably, the best player in your country and arguably, you know, a top five player in the world. Guy that won the Golden Boot. I think he was tied last year in England. A huge loss for Tottenham. Uh, now they go to... Oh, I'm sorry. They host Liverpool, but Liverpool's obviously had a disastrous season themselves. So Tottenham, just a slight underdog to Liverpool. I think this would be a bigger underdog at the beginning of the season, but just a slight underdog, Conte's guys. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, by the way, I am interested in this game from a betting perspective. I'll get into that, but I want to hear your uh, opinion first. Cool. Um I really like Tottenham. Um, it feels obvious, I got to say, and certainly you don't like seeing Youngman's son missing. Uh, I wonder what this number would have been with him available. Um, probably still Tottenham and underdog, but maybe at Pickham where the most of the juice on that number would be Liverpool's. Um, but just, I mean, there's been some quotes coming out of Liverpool's camp besides what we've watched and seen on, on the pitch. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I guess, said something like, we're just trying to get to the World Cup break, which is not really a great sign when you're the second favorite to win the Premier League entering the season. Clearly, they're way off the pace now. Um, but they had a good win midweek, I guess, against Napoli, but they should have been behind, barely got saved by an offside call, and then scored two goals late to make a 2-0 win, just completely unrealistic based on what the game, what was happening in the match. Um, but I, I mean... I, I just talked a lot of noise about the, the UK market and uh, here's probably a good opportunity for it to slap me back in the face, but Liverpool and based on how they've played the season do not deserve to be a quarter goal favorite on the road. Um, I do. I have some concern about Tottenham sitting back defending as I have all season, but I feel like the perfect scenario is for them to be a home underdog in that type of makeup. Um, what are they going to do now to replace young Min son? I mean, I don't know. They, certainly, that's that's some pace that they can't get back. Um, Harry Kane certainly doesn't have that, and uh, that's going to affect their game plan quite a bit. But I just don't even know that Liverpool are in a position where I'm concerned about them. Uh, I, I am concerned about Liverpool's defense, certainly, uh, but I don't know that Liverpool can break down a deep-lying defense, and I feel like Tottenham might even have more chances than Liverpool in this matchup. So being a quarter-goal dog at home, I, I, I'm very interested in the home team and those chickens. I've been listening to a lot of theories on the Liverpool disaster season. We've talked about a few on this podcast throughout. You know, one of the things that we were on early, happy about that. But um, it was brought up recently on a podcast that they have played the most games ever, or last year to this year, the most games in a 12-month span of any club team. So that might be potentially why they're faltering. Or I think a more uh, problematic theory is that it's the end of a cycle, that this was a great team assembled by Jorgen Klopp, and not only did they move on from Mane, but no longer is um, Van Dyke. Am I saying that right? 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's there. Yeah, he's there, but he's, he's not the not, best defender in the world anymore. Yeah, he's not the same. I mean, he's still a beast, and seeing him walk off the, the pitch at halftime, like next to the five foot five guys next to him, are, I mean, he's a behemoth. But I feel like the ACL injury late in your career doesn't help. No. So uh, I'll just I'll I'll ask you, do you think they turn it around? The market seems to turn it around. They are currently favored to finish top four minus one sixty. Uh, what do you think of those odds? Do you are you as optimistic that they are going to go from ninth in the table all the way back to top four? I mean, getting in the top four in this league, it might be the hardest one out there. Um I mean, Arsenal and City look like they're going to be fighting for a, a title. I think City will eventually take that. I, I think Tottenham, um, they have some flaws, sure, but they're pretty far ahead of Liverpool right now. they got a 10-point gap um, with one additional match played. Uh, Newcastle, I feel like sitting in fourth seems a little weird to a lot of people, but I think their play has deserved it. Um, and certainly it's all about schedules and things, but they got to jump over. Let's not forget Manchester United who's played a lot better ever since Eric Ten Hag kind of got his way. And then Chelsea's in that way too. Um, I think there's a lot for Liverpool to jump over uh, and they have to do a lot to get healthy, but also a lot just to change kind of what they've looked like all season to, for me to take them seriously. So I would say uh, I, I would bet against them finishing top four at this point. I tend to agree with you. All right, let me get into my best bet or at least my potential best bet. I want to hear your thoughts on it. So Tottenham has been under Conte, a counterattacking team, and more and more so recently, that counterattacking has worked as teams have kind of faltered late, kind of been a little bit less discipline. Currently, the over-under in this game, Liverpool-Arsenal, for the first half, is about one and a half, a little bit less than one and a half. You can bet one quarter, minus 110 on the Asian handicap, one and a quarter. And I looked, this season... Tottenham's games are only averaging 1.3 goals in the first half combined. But the last five games, there's only been three goals scored in the first half for Tottenham. Only one for Tottenham. So I kind of like the under here. You talked about Alexander-Arnold saying they're just trying to get to the World Cup break. I feel like both teams have incentive to kind of sit back, wait for the other team to make a mistake. And Tottenham at home, talk about how the home team usually dictates pace. It's a cross-the-sport kind of phenomenon. I feel like Tottenham is going to make this a 0-0 game and try to win 2-0 in the second half. Uh, so just game script-wise, I can't see two goals in the first half. I win a little bit with one goal. I win a little bit more with no goals in the first half. But I'm strongly leaning and considering for my best bet under Tottenham-Liverpool in the first half. What do you think? I mean, it doesn't give Liverpool a lot of time to tire out Tottenham and stretch them to then find that goal. Um, and that's just one. So they need to do that twice to beat you. Um, I, I lean your way. I think Tottenham, they've proven even against the bottom of the Premier League, they're going to be a team that surrenders the ball to the other team, concedes possession, sits in, and then tries to counterattack. It's exactly what Conte did when he won the Scudetto at Inter Milan a couple seasons ago. So I have no doubt that's the strategy they're going to use. Um, maybe it's a little bit different based on their wings because Youngman Sun is likely missing. I don't think Richarlison's going to be back. Maybe Kulusevsky's playing. I'm not sure, but he's not really the, the speed merchant that either of those other two are. Um, I think it's going to be a very conservative game plan from Tottenham. I think Liverpool have proven that they really struggle to break down defenses. And for 45 minutes, you just got to dodge two goals. I, I lean your way. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Minson and uh, Richarlson are two players that hope to feature prominently in the upcoming World Cup. We're going to be right along aside with you. Thank you for, as Griffin mentioned, uh, posting some great numbers, some great listenership. 
And uh, we are hoping to keep it up because we are just getting going. The World Cup is coming up just around the corner and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Let's save you some money on pregame.com. Use the promo code TOP20. So what does that mean? Pregame.com hosts, in my opinion, the best handicappers in the world. Any sport you're interested in, we have an expert that specializes, that produces incredible results. And you can check them out. You can check out every pick they've ever made. You can check out their their write-ups after they've made any pick. Uh, the next day, you're like, I wonder what he was on. Check them out. See their write-up. See if it made sense. See if it won. And if there's a handicapper or two you would like to follow, you can go to pregame.com. You can subscribe to them. You can save 20% off any package on the website. Use the promo code TOP20. Let them know that you're listening to this podcast. TOP20 is the promo code TOP20. And uh, save some money on pregame.com. That's 20% off anything. Just use that promo code TOP20 in your shopping cart at pregame.com. All right, without further ado, you got my best bet. Glad that it's Griffin approved because he has been much better this season. I think you're 30 games above 500. I saw on Twitter. Nice job. Again, I am on Liverpool Tottenham under one and a quarter goal in the first half. Griffin, let's go to you next. What is your best bet? I'm going to take Mallorca, a one goal underdog on the road at Villarreal on Sunday in the Spanish La Liga. So quick rundown. So Villarreal, they started the year off really hot and have been playing the conference league. Uh, Their manager, Unai Emery, just took a new job at Aston Villa. uh, And that kind of left the team in a really, really awkward, weird type of scenario because a lot of players brought in were brought in really to make a charge at trying to finish in a Champions League spot in, in La Liga this season. Um, everything's going well on the conference league front, but they brought in a manager who's aggressive, but um, I had big, big questions, a former Barcelona manager and Kike Setien. And he's been really, in, in my opinion, disappointing when I've seen him at the helm of a much better club like Barcelona. Uh, Villarreal are really struggling. Part of me thinks that's part of why Unai Emery jumped, not just the money. I think he was like, this isn't really working this year. Um, and so I think that kind of was like a get out of Dodge type of choice as much as it was, it was trying to go for the money. Uh, in comes Mallorca. They're, uh, a, I mean, it's it's uh, Rafael Nadal's uh, island where he's from in Spain. And they're kind of seen as the pirates. They're going in there and they're going to be the swashbucklers that are going to go 5-4-1 set up really defensively. And they've got this giant up front in Vidad Marici, who is a, I think he's Bosnian, I want to say, and he has a very large head that they try to find in the center of the box as much as possible. Mallorca is going to restrict space quite a bit for Villarreal, and uh, I don't really think that Villarreal can get more than a single goal here. So that plus one is really important. It's a little bit juiced right now, but I would grab it if it's out there. Back back Mallorca plus one. I don't think it's impossible for them to go in and steal a win either. Staying in La Liga for Griffin's best bet, backing Mallorca plus one cashed with Bayacayon last week. Let's make it a winning streak. All right, without further ado, that has been the European Soccer Betting Podcast. You got my best bet, Liverpool, Tottenham, under in the first half. You got Griffin's best bet, Mallorca, plus the one goal. And we will see you next week, which will be the last club edition of the European Soccer Betting Podcast for the foreseeable future, for the next month and a half or so, as the World Cup. You might have heard of it. Woo! Yep. Woo! The biggest sporting event in the world once every four years, and we'll be covering it right here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we will see you next week.